Welcome, my name is Roger Quayle, and you are listening to My Life in the Mosh of Ghosts. Hello and welcome to My Life in the Mosh of Ghosts with me, Roger Quayle, and we're on to gig five, The Extras, Sheffield Polytechnic, 27th of May, 1978. In November 1974, I presented my sister-in-law, Susan, with a short list of albums from which to select my Christmas present. This list comprised Paul McCartney and Wings, Red Rose Speedway, Eno, Here Come the Warm Jets, and Barclay James Harvest, Everyone is Everybody Else. Come Christmas morning, either the pulsating banshee wail of Babies on Fire or the punishing, monotonous dirge of driving me backwards triggered the inevitable cry of What's this rubbish? from my dad. Off came Eno, and on went the perky cha-cha-cha of Pepe Jaramillo with his Latin American rhythm. Pop culture historians like to point to David Bowie's performance of Starman on Top of the Pops on the 24th of August 1972 as a UK glam meets gay equivalent to the Beatles' first US TV appearance on The Ed Sullivan Show, stirring, as it did, strange new feelings in tumescent adolescence from Bolton to Basildon. In Sheffield, while Bowie's spaced-out oddity undoubtedly blew some minds, it was Roxy Music's first appearance on The Old Grey Whistle Test on 20th of June 1972, that struck a strange, atonal chord with young men of my generation. On the show, Roxy Music performed Ladytron from their debut album, and amidst the arcane oboe, stampeding drums, lascivious vocals and stun-gun guitars, there was Eno. Part peacock, part programmer. Playing something you couldn't describe as a musical instrument. What was he doing? Tracking Soviet bombers from a Filingdale's golf ball? Pinging the sonar on a nuclear sub? To see this otherworldly creature twiddling knobs and joysticks rather than hitting skins or strumming wires was unlike anything we'd ever seen before. Oscillating wildly, Eno set the reference tone for an emerging generation of non-musicians in Sheffield. So when Eno left Rock's music after the release of their second album, For Your Pleasure, my tendency to support the underdog drew me to Here Come the Warm Jets, rather than Stranded. As it turned out, I was delighted with Susan's Christmas choice. Eno's first solo album was a wonky Wendy house of circuit boards and soldering irons that I lived in for many teenage years. At this stage, my album collection comprised the following. Sweet, Sweet Fanny Adams. 10cc, sheet music. Procol Harum, a salty dog. The Kinks, golden hour of the Kinks. And, a bargain at 59p, various artists, the Warner Brothers music show. My Roxy Eno collection slowly grew. A well-meant gift from my mom, Zeit, by Tangerine Dream, was exchanged for the first Roxy music album, at Violet May's Vinyl Emporium 
I swapped What Becomes of the Broken Hearted by Jimmy Ruffin for Eno's brilliant proto-punk Seven Deadly Fins single. And then I was back in the ferry camp for All I Want Is You. So when one of the lads from our band, still dreaming of cracking the Sheffield club circuit, suggested, let's go and see the extras at the Poly on Saturday. They're a bit like Roxy music. I was in quicker than you can say pyjama armour. The extras had established their local reputation as the next big thing with a residency at a pub called The Broadfield in 1977. They were in with the thin crowd and their gigs had become a lodestone for punks, art school students, fellow musicians and motley misfits. If you wanted to go and see a band in a pub where you wouldn't get groped, the girls, or beaten up for wearing eyeliner, the boys, chances are you'd be at the Broadfield, listening to the extras playing Velvet Underground covers and Leonard Cohen songs, rather than crowd pleasers such as Hi-Ho Silver Lining and Smoke on the Water. The gig at Sheffield Polytechnic was a step up from the Broadfield. I was back there with Vinna, Lango and Timbo, lads from our band. And as we waited for the extras, my tragic love life was being sympathetically analysed over Cokes and Shandies. To paraphrase Brian Ferry, in every council home, a heartache. I'm carrying a triple D battery-sized torch for Eleanor Moore. But unbelievably, she is drawn to math swat in residence, Sid Peach. But I'm in a band. I know who Eno is. I'm at the extras with the cool kids on a Saturday night. It just doesn't add up. Tembo, what does she see in him? What's Sid got that I haven't? Oh, I don't know, Rog. Acne? Prospects? The extras have the same lineup as Roxy Music. Singer, guitarist, sax, keyboard, bass and drums. And a similar penchant for tectonic tempo shifts in the space of the same song. They project a punky, pell-mell attack with a patina of palmal sophistication. But behind the satin and tat lays a basic, well-drilled R&B band with arty pretensions. As if magazine's Howard Devoto had awoken from his Mancunian reverie to find himself fronting the blockheads at the Hope and Anchor. The extras have a sense of theatre, a flair for the dramatic, and they are not afraid of a rummage in the dressing-up box. Teesider John Lake is their captivating elfin focal point. Singing in a clipped, mannered style not unlike John Fox of Ultravox, Lake is the first frontman I've seen live on stage unencumbered by guitar and mic stand, leaving him free to roam, cajole and tease the audience. This is only my fifth gig. I've only seen Bowie, Ferry and Jagger on the telly. And to 17-year-old me, John Lake seems to channel a thrilling cocktail of androgyny, petulance and arrogance I associate with my rock and roll idols. Teetering on the tightrope between real cool and ridicule. Their songs, Diamonds, Playback, Goldie, Some Kind of Hero and Good Time Girls are dispatched with gusto, verve and panache. After the gig we are buzzing. Could this be a band on the cusp of something big? Could John Lake be the Middlesbrough Moses, parting the River Don to lead the young bands of Sheffield to the land of moogs and money? It didn't turn out that way. A combination of hubris, folly and mismanagement. 
put an end to the extras in 1979. Too late for glam, too soon for the new romantics, too proggy for punk. It turned out that playing proxy music wasn't enough, and the extras, surplus to requirements, found themselves falling between any number of artfully sculpted Bertoia Bastels. John Lake drowned on holiday in Malaysia in 2003, aged 48. Guitarist Simon Anderson succumbed to cancer in 2011, aged 56. Thank you for listening. I'll be back with more tales from my life in the Mosh of Ghosts very soon. Thank you.